Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. Thank you for joining us and thanks for the download today. Today, I have a returning guest with me. It's Megan Leatherman. She is a career coach and HR consultant in Portland. You can find her at meganleatherman.com. And she also has an amazing blog. You need to go check it out. It's theintegratedworkplace.com. And I think I get, what, two to three alerts a week uh, on on new content, Megan. So you're doing some awesome work. And I think people should definitely subscribe to what you're doing. Thanks. The reason I had Megan come back on is she's a volunteer on the Portland Human Resources Management Association, also known as PERMA to those in the Portland area, uh, basically a, a subsidiary of the SHRM organization, the National um, Organization for HR People. Uh, she's on what's called the Think Tank Committee. And I want to just give her a little second to, to explain what the Think Tank is, because I, think, I believe it started as a book club and then you sort of moved it over to what's called the Think Tank. So Megan, if you would just talk about that briefly. Yeah. So my co-partner, Nicole, and I, um, you know, we were leading book club last year and, you know, we're really trying to create a space where people could discuss issues coming up in their work as HR professionals. And we were finding that um, it just didn't really give us the freedom we wanted to talk about more innovative things. And, you know, I think asking people to read a book (laughs) in this day and age can be a little much. So we wanted to create a different kind of atmosphere where we were really talking about stuff that wasn't being discussed in other HR communities. And um, it it really feels like kind of a a facilitated dinner party (laughs) where we just kind of open the floor and it's, you know, a lot of open-minded, innovative thinking professionals talking about things that um, are, are coming up in their work lives. So. That's awesome. And and one of the recent topics, which actually is a segue into our, our topic for today, which is the holacracy model. You guys talked about that at your last think tank. Uh, how did that come about? Did somebody bring up that topic? And then can you explain what a holacracy is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, I think the topic came about just as Nicole and I were talking about interesting things. And the question that we posed to the group was, you know, do we need managers and and mm-hmm are they relevant anymore or for the future? Um, And it was a a pretty interesting conversation, I thought. So it seemed like most people were really on board with the kind of principles of of holacracy and that, you know, treating people like adults and autonomy and giving people the freedom to really bring their entire selves to the workplace. But I, I left with a lot of questions because while that seems true and everybody seemed on the same page about that, you know, from my point of view, it doesn't seem like this self-management model is really catching on (laughs) very quickly. Mm, It seems like there's a lot of resistance. Um, So it seemed like this kind of paradox, like, you know, personally, we all agree that this is valuable, but it's not coming to life in our organizations. Um, So that's, that's kind of, you know, what you and I had chatted about and and is really interesting to me. And I'm excited to hear your thoughts about that too. Um, and I can give a quick preview of Holacracy. I, you know, I'm not an expert, um, and you 
Definitely yeah, please do. For the, for I'm sure a lot of people don't really understand what it is or have even heard about it because as you, to your point, it's not really catching on a whole lot. And we'll we'll dive into that and maybe the reasons for it. But can you just yeah explain what the holacracy model is and maybe where it came from originally? Yeah, so holacracy is a term that was captured by Brian Robertson and Tom Thomason, who created a company called Holacracy One, and that was founded back in 2007. Um, and it's kind of an organizational development model that's based on this idea of self-management and distributed power and people working in self-managing teams where there's a kind of flow of information and processes. So t- translation, there's no hierarchy really anymore. It's you flatten an entire organization to where everybody sort of self-manages themselves. Is that right? I think that's the conception and maybe that's... Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe that's the issue. <laughs> Yeah, and that's something actually we talked about it at HR Think Tank is there's this there was this great Harvard Business Review article that talked about some misconceptions of holacracy and one of them is that you don't need any hierarchy and so that you know may not actually work in theory. I think you do need some kind of structure. I think it's just going to look a lot different than in our normal organizations today. Um, but a concept that was fleshed out, you know, by Frederick Lelou in his book Reinventing Organizations, which I know you've you're totally I've read that, that, yeah. Is this concept of the teal organization, which I think is a little more, it, it, like a more expansive framework. I think holacracy yeah. is kind of has some baggage with it, but I really like his frame a lot more. And, and he notes that teal organizations are different in a couple of ways, one being that they focus on self-management, but they also focus on wholeness, so making sure people are coming to work you know, fully themselves and not behind this kind of professional facade. And, and also on evolutionary purpose, the idea that an organization is kind of a living ecosystem that morphs mm. and changes and not a kind of machine, which, which he uses as a metaphor to talk about our current organizations today. Um, so holacracy or teal organizations, those I think are kind of interchangeable terms. Yeah, I think, I think and after reading reinventing organizations, and they really explain both of them, you know, for, for most organizations who aren't even close to practicing anything near what those are, they're basically the same. I mean, that's, that's sort of, I treat them in, in their same category. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the next thing I wanted to ask you was who's actually practicing this? <laughs> because I don't hear about it a whole lot. And you know, we hear these, these crazy ideas kind of come to light and, and we, you know, have a think tank to talk about, could it work? Could it not work? But who's actually said, I'm, I'm all in, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still pretty limiting and out on the forefront. Um, I mean, Zappos is the most famous example that I can think of. They've been very public. They went, they went all in. Mm-hmm. On it. Yeah, um, so they're explicitly practicing holacracy using like Brian Robertson's model. Um, but there are other organizations, you know, in in that book, Frederick Lelou cites a company that's like. 40,000 companies or employees globally, um, you know, so it can, I think the conception is that it's only very small companies who can do this, but I don't, I think that's debatable. I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, and, you know, Zappos's implementation, they've been pretty open about how it's going. And there was a recent podcast episode on uh, the future of work with Jacob Morgan, with a woman who helped implement holacracy there. And one thing she noted was that, you know, after years of taking direction from managers um, or taking tasks given to them, employees there have had a hard time transitioning to this more kind of Mm self-managed entrepreneurial atmosphere. And that statement or that problem that she referred to is, is kind of what got me thinking about, 
how this work really has to start at a personal level, right? We have, if we're going to move to self-managing organizations, we have to self-manage ourselves, you know? Um, so I think, I think that is why this isn't really catching on is we're not talking about this enough at a personal level. Yeah, I agree. And with the the implementation of uh, Zappos, if I remember right, when they were really public about how how it was going, they did expect a lot of people to just jump ship. And I think they they offered uh, some sort of severance as part of it. Maybe it was just a couple thousand dollars to just say, hey, I'll I'll leave and self-select out. Did they see a lot more transitions than they, they thought? And, you know, or was it what they expected? Yeah, I think she said that about 14 or 15% of people left. Um, mm, and That's not very much. I know. Surprising. Yeah, I think, I mean, they also have a front-end incentive where, you know, if, yeah, if after yeah. a couple of months or whatever, people don't feel like it's a good fit, they also offer cash to leave. So um, I think they probably are working with a pool of a, a pretty strong culture already. So there wasn't much incentive to leave. But yeah, I was I was surprised it was only 15%. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. And what's interesting about the they the way they recruit already from the very beginning is you, as you alluded to the fact that they already offer some front loaded incentive to like attract a certain type of person that they want, right? Mm-hmm. So by the time that they have their group of employees when they introduce something like this, they already probably have a core group of people that they know is a pretty good fit for Zappos. So when they introduce something like this, it's probably not a as big as a shock as if like, a, you know, a manufacturing company who's been set in their ways decided, hey, we're going to do the self-management thing. And then, you know, I would expect 50% of the workforce to turn over mm-hmm. at least. You know, it's so I think it's sort of apples and oranges. Uh, Zappos is already kind of a, a leading edge company when it comes to the culture and how they how do they do work. But um, you know, wh- why do you think there is so much resistance to actually moving to the self management model for most organizations? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's really scary in a lot of different ways. I mean, if you are a manager or someone with some power or control in an organization, it can be really scary to release some of that and let go of the oversight that you are used to having. And I think, I think that oversight and control is kind of an illusion, but it still feels very good and secure. So people don't want to let go. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is if you aren't, if you don't have a team to oversee or if your job is not to manage others, you're kind of faced with the, the opportunity or the problem of stepping up and figuring out who you would be and what you would contribute, you know, if you don't have these kind of tasks at hand. Um, And I think the prospect of letting go probably really excites some of the listeners here, and it probably terrifies others. Um, And similarly, if you are an employee, and now your role is to simply do good work, and you don't have a job description to kind of fit into, um, you know, that means you're held to be a lot more accountable to the results that you produce and to your teammates. And I meet a lot of employees who are, you know, disheartened and exhausted that they're kind of just mailing it in at the office each day. And, you know, this model can be really liberating, but it also requires us to kind of step up in new ways that we might not be used to. Yeah, what's interesting and the thing that strikes me about going to a model like this is that everybody has to be accountable. Everybody. Mm -hmm. And because you're, it's no longer am I accountable to my manager anymore? It's now I'm accountable accountable to a team of people. And for those that aren't self-starters and just don't work autonomously anyways, 
it might be a huge shift. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking me personally, it's like, you know, my manager may, may recognize that I like to work autonomously. So be hands off on me while I, you know, produce the work and I get the feedback when I, when, as I need it. And, and I'm accountable to her and for other people, maybe they want, they want to be closely managed. And I think that's up to a, nowadays it's up to a manager to, to recognize how people like to work in this self-management model. Everybody has to be accountable mm-hmm. and it's uh, to themselves and to their team. And I think it's just, it'd be such a huge shift mm-hmm. that I, I just, I just don't know that it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, you brought up something that I have like, I have questions about you said, you know, yeah. if you're not naturally a self-starter or you're not autonomous. And I wonder, I go back and forth, like, is that true? Are there people who truly are not self-starters mm. or is it just that they're in the wrong role? Yes, I no, that's a, that's a fantastic point. I think, I think there's a, there's a little bit of truth to both, but it's probably they're just not in the right role. Because if they're passionate about their work, they're going to be self-starters. Yeah. Right. right. Wouldn't you think? I, I think so. But there is this whole like belief system happening in management that says people, there are people who are not self-starters and you have to use either the carrot or the stick with mm. them. And I don't, I think that's a misguided belief, but I think so too. Yeah. And I think, I think it's scary for another reason, which is, is related, but a lot of the organizations that are practicing these kind of self-management techniques are creating practices around kind of wholeness and work-life integration, which is something that I know is coming up more and more, but they really make space for and kind of expect their employees to show up fully themselves at work. So not just with the kind of professional Mm -hmm. scene that, that most of us are used to. And that can feel really vulnerable on a personal level, right? To kind of transition to a place where you can't hide as much anymore. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing that kind of sticks out to me about this is that when I was saying a second ago, like your manager is going to give you feedback and then you, you know, you adjust based on that. It's like, you may have a one-on-one every couple of weeks or every month or something. And that's the time that you get your feedback as an employee. But in this, in this self-management model, I see a, a, a benefit to it is that you're going to get feedback almost instantly because you have a team of people that you're sort of reporting to or held accountable by, and you might have a faster feedback loop. So I think as, with this kind of organization, you could be a lot more nimble mm-hmm. and shift really fast. Mm-hmm. What do you th- what do you think to that? Yeah, I think that's totally true. I think the the extreme end of that where it could be less helpful is that the that there's constant morphing and shifting and that mm. um, I think mm. sometimes when we get anxious or nervous about change, we kind of create more chaos to feel yeah. busy and like we're doing important work. And so um, yeah, I think it requires a balance of being really nimble and making sure that the changes you're creating are, are actually creating value. It's funny when we started the podcast, you said like this is, it could be like a little ecosystem where it sort of organically grows into to something. And, and I think that that's a great point is that it could grow into something you don't, you want it to <laughs> by shifting and morphing and it's not always a great thing. I mean, you want to stick to your core values and beliefs and, and, and grow the organization and attract the right, the right type of people that's going to, you know, fall in line with your brand, I guess is what I'd say. Uh, so what do you think? Like when, when you talk about moving to an organ, um, a model like this, what are some of the, the assumptions that for, for those on the opposing side of this, what would be the, the things that people would say, there's no way this could work. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are a lot of underlying assumptions that 
many of us aren't aware of. Um, I think managers who are kind of stuck in or operating in organizations that act more like machines than living things um, have a lot of these kind of troubling assumptions. And and there's no shame here at all. I mean, I think we've all been here and I think it's our responsibility to choose how we want to move in the world. But I don't want anyone listening to feel ashamed or like they're a bad person just because <laughs> they are operating under some of these beliefs. Um, but that said, I think some of the troubling assumptions that I have seen are things like, you know, people are dishonest by default. So we have to track and verify their time. We have to track their expenses. We have to watch their work product closely. Um, you know, beliefs like employees will steal if given the chance. So we lock our supply cabinets. We lock the petty cash drawer. We keep other valuable things hidden away. Or beliefs like employees won't work unless they're motivated either by a, you know, a stick or a carrot and there's no, you know, there are no self-starters here. Um, and then another one I see a lot, especially with my clients, is that expertise is dependent on someone's status or fancy job title. That, that the knowledge we need, the data, the authority comes from people out there at the top. Um, so, I mean, the question is, are those assumptions true, you know, are, are those things mm. true or are those attitudes producing organizations in which you actually have dishonest, unmotivated or incompetent? You pose a good, yeah, you pose a great question. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you rattle off some of those things. And I'm like, no, nah, I think it's just an attitude thing. Oh, wait. And I'm like, no, <laughs> maybe. No, that's a legitimate argument. I, you know, I wonder, you know, with the hierarchy of, you know, j fancy job titles, as you just said, you know, some people get motivated by that. And could that be a motivator killer if you, you know, everybody has the same title and, and makes around the same money? I mean, there's some there's some downsides to, to doing something like that, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a total paradigm shift. But I think I think we have to get honest. Like, it's like that saying, you know, if, if all you have is a hammer, then all you see is nails. If you believe that people are distrustful or they're out to get you or they just want to be lazy and collect a paycheck those are the people that you are going to attract in the kind of environment that you're creating. And I don't, I don't really believe any amount of, you know, money or strategy can really change that. To me, it's kind of a fundamental part of your operating system. And unless that changes, you're going to keep producing the same kind of results. Um, so it's tough. I totally see both sides, but, but I've seen that when employees are kind of given the benefit of the doubt, when power is distributed, and some of that pressure is taken off with, with the idea of promotions and what it means to be successful. I think people not only kind of wake up to their own gifts and what they want to do in the world, but I think they can create successful kind of world-changing organizations. Going into something like this, we all have these sort of preconceived notions like there's no way it could work or it's going to work. How do we sort of untangle some of those beliefs that we might already have about something like this? Like, no, it can't work or absolutely we should do this tomorrow. You know, what are, what are some of those, those things that you're thinking of as you hear something like this come up? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I think it has to start with us as individuals and, and the first step with any change is to really just become aware of the problem. So I would just encourage folks to kind of start taking note of how they feel in their organizations and the thoughts that go through their head throughout the day. Like, 
you know, for example, if, you know, are you expected to be in the office by a certain time? You know, is that, is that expectation self-prescribed or external? You know, what would happen if you got to work at a time that worked for you? Or, you know, is there a problem that keeps coming up on your team that you're ignoring because it's not within your job description? You know, start with the small things that are right around you and just play around with different ways of doing things. You know, notice your reaction to the rules, the system that you're part of. Um, notice how you feel listening to this podcast episode. Like, does the thought of self-managing your career scare you? Does it excite you? You know, just start getting aware of kind of where you fall on the spectrum of this concept. Um, I think awareness is is so important, and I, I don't think we have enough of it in our organizations and, and in our I lives. agree. Yeah, I definitely think a model like this could actually help bring out the self-awareness. I mean, it'd have to, it'd have to for sure, um, because you'd have to sort of look at yourself at face value and say, like, okay, where are my where are my strengths, where are my weaknesses, and you know, how how am I gonna grow, and uh, you know, how how's my team gonna wrap around me and and help me grow as well? Because it's to everybody's benefit mm-hmm. that they do so. I mean, when you look at yourself. You know, I think you're more of an entrepreneurial type. You like to sort of do, do things on your own. But let's say you're in an organization that wants to shift to this kind of model. What do you see as some of the benefits to, to going to something like this for, for you personally? For me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it has taken me, I think I've been working by myself for about two years now. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's taken me that long to really get aware of and kind of deconstruct some of these limiting beliefs about what it means to do good work. And I think if I were part of an organization that moved in this direction, um, it would, one, give me the freedom to apply my gifts in different ways and be creative and, um, you know, really be able to bring my entire self to the work, you know, no matter what it was. Um, I also think there's huge growth potential when you're part of a team that is headed in the right direction and you're getting that support and that instant feedback, like you mentioned, um, you know, working by yourself is great in a lot of ways, but there is real, real benefit to having groups of people who are like-minded and going through this process together. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think I'm that unique in wanting more independence and more autonomy. And, um, it didn't really hit me until I was outside of a very traditional organization that, it doesn't make sense to me to be told when to get to work and how to work yeah. and, you know, and wait for tasks to be delegated to me. It just, it does not make sense to me anymore. And I meet a lot of people who, who feel the same way, but are still kind of in it. Um, and so I think that awareness is key. And then I think, you know, let me know if I'm getting off track, but I think there's a second really important step to untangling some of this. And that is to really rein in, our need for external validation all the time and external data or motivation from outside of us. Um, I recently taught a class on intuitive communication for women and something that came up was how much we all think we need outside input in order to kind of validate what we already know to be true for us. And I think that's really true for HR professionals, especially like HR is about people, right? It's, it's a very intuitive role if you let it be. Um, and yet we, it seems like the field is being pushed more and more toward that kind of big data field, which mm-hmm. I think has a lot of value. But um, part of shifting to self-management is really relying more on your own personal judgment. And that can feel scary and threatening, but 
I think it's a skill that we really, really need in today's workplace. Um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I want to jump in, and me personally, because I am in the corporate the corporate world, and I do like it. I mean, I to your point, I mean, I think like you, I, I like to to work on my own, and I like to be. I'm a self starter myself, but I have a lot of those things where I work at, at Zenium, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, if we were to shift to this kind of model, I see a couple extra benefits. I, for one. I feel like I'm disconnected sometimes. Uh, there's a small marketing team of two. Mm-hmm. So often I don't feel like it's a huge team. So in the self-management organization, you're, you're probably working with a larger team. Uh, you're getting the constant feedback. So I think there's more learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I love to learn. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm always reading these books and, and talk about them on the podcast and bringing in guests where I can learn something you know, like yourself. So learning, I think, is a key thing. Um, the other thing would be just to have more self-management, more of it. Um, I just, I, to me, I think most people can thrive if they're in, if they're doing the right work, they can thrive under those sort of, you know, environment, that sort of environment, I guess is what I'd say on the, on the downside. However, I think, you know, one of the things that really draws, uh, me into um, the you know the corporate world is is the fact that there are things in front of you that uh, where you can grow like the the job title thing or the more money I mean those sort of things where they're sort of laid out in front of you like it is that it's that carrot dangling there and and it is a motivator sometimes now if you're working in sort of this flat organization I just don't know if that motivation would be there other than just being really passionate about the work you're doing and and doing it with a team. Mm-hmm. But I don't think ne- everything has to necessarily be together. I mean, sometimes we want those 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 wins inside, like where we could just scream from the top of our lungs, like just like, "Hey, I did an awesome job today," and not have to share it with other people. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's going to look different in every organization because it's made up of very different, unique people. But what do you think about one thing that comes up with these self-managing organizations is that people kind of set their own mile markers. So, you know, they, I read about one organization that where people kind of set their own salary and it has to just, it has to be approved from their team. You know, it's very, it's all very transparent, but if you feel like you are ready for a promotion and, and deserve it, then you kind of make that case. And oftentimes it, as long as it's in the budget, it's granted. But what do you think about, uh, I think it's crazy because you're just talking about big data a little bit ago. I mean, we're collecting data, market data, salary data, employee engagement feedback, you know, all that stuff where that is in- increasingly valuable when it comes to these sort of conversations where you're like, you know what, I want to raise and I want X amount of money. And I, I think it all has to be pegged to the value of what you're, what you're doing and what the market is will bear for something like that. Now, if, if you're in this self-management organization and you're like, yeah, I want 200 grand a year, is it just going to automatically be approved? I mean, that's, that seems crazy to me when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think that could work personally, yeah. but. And I think, I think that's why you need that structure. So, you know, that, that proposal would have to get reviewed by a committee of elected yeah. people and, you know, your team would have to know and and approve it so it's not I don't think it would be like the wild west of of getting raises whenever you wanted but um yeah. Yeah. but even then like you talk about a committee what if 
this particular person who asked for a raise then has a special relationship with a couple people on the committee just because they, you know, they're, they're friends or whatnot. I mean, to me, it just seems like there could be more sort of backdooring in something like yeah. that. But you could argue that happens anyway now. And yeah, true. You know? Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, we all, yeah, there's challenges like these in every organization. Yeah. So uh, w- let's, we talked about really the, um, the sort of the person at the personal level, why this could either be good or not good. But when you like, let's bring it back to the business level. Why would a business want to actually move to this? Because on the surface, it seems like it's really to squeeze as much volume or productivity out of people. And I mean, is that the ultimate reason it's really impacting bottom line? Or is it just to to do something that's they think is in the best interest of their people? What do you think? I mean, I think teal organizations, people who kind of make up these places, um, see it as kind of a value in and of itself that it, you know, yes, it does affect the bottom line and, and hopefully, you know, the business stays healthy. And I think there's a strong case for the fact that it does when you move to this kind of mm-hmm. model, but mm-hmm. it's also, it's also a much deeper kind of commitment than that. So I think the shift is from organizations that are focused on efficiency and the bottom line and, and can you be as productive and as efficient as possible. And then this is kind of a shift to, you know, what kind of ecosystem do we want to build? And yeah, profit is part of that. But um, the the journey in and of itself is is valuable. The, the culture you're creating, the, you know, kind of power that you're sharing with people and with others is the goal in and of itself, right? And those are two very yeah. different paradigms. Yeah. Um, I think if you move to something like this, and this is just my personal opinion, I don't think it could be one thing or the other. Like it, it can't be, I'm going to switch to this because I want to increase my profit. Mm-hmm. I think it has to be, I want to increase my profit. And the way I'm going to do it is by doing this teal organization where people are really happy in their jobs that are passionate about what they're doing. And I'm going to attract the right kind of people. So that's going to happen. My people are going to be empowered. So you have this thing over here where my employees are super happy and they're productive as a result. And then the, the sort of the consequence of that happening is increased profit. Right. I mean, that to me, that seems like the better approach. Yeah. And, I th- and the only reason you do it in the first place. Right. And I think, I mean, to be honest, I think companies are, are realizing more and more how, how much their talent or the pe- people they're recruiting want this. And I think they are trying to have one foot in each camp. And I think that's why we're yeah. seeing the fact, you know, we're seeing all this work around, you know, employee engagement and empowerment and all this stuff that I don't think is paying the dividends that people have expected. And I think it's because they're doing it in order to be more profitable or in order to be yeah. more productive. And I don't, mm-hmm. it, again, it's that error in the operating system. You're not going to get the results you want unless you kind of fundamentally change your paradigm the way you see it. Yeah. You, you just said something that just sparked something in me. I agree. There's a, a lot of what we're doing in HR right now and, and what you see when we're talking about culture and how to increase productivity and increase happiness and engagement and all that stuff. I think that our, our natural inclination is to just offer some new benefit or to, to have a party or you know do something fun that's just going to what I think is is a short-term Band-Aid fix mm-hmm. where people might be excited for like two seconds and then back to 
business as usual. And I think like maybe when you introduce something like this holacracy model, people are like, we've tried the fun stuff. We've tried offering a bunch of benefits, but we need to actually make a fundamental shift in how we're doing our work. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that's why this is sort of been talked about why it's been created and why some actual are actually taking the leap and doing it. Yeah. I think people know that it's kind of time to stop playing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like HR and, and business generally is at a pretty big crossroads. Like, are you going to dive in and commit and trust that people are inherently good and able to do good work? Or are you going to cling to these semblances of control and oversight that really are not, there and I think people are are realizing that that's kind of an illusion and it's not working. Um, but it, we have to decide if we're you know ready to make that change or if we want to cling on. So as we kind of sum up this conversation we've had about the self management organization, I wanted to ask you where you kind of see this all going. I mean, my you know obviously I can only speak from my perspective. I work with and meet with a lot of people who are kind of thinking this way already or looking for that. So I just, you know, want my caveat is that this is kind of the world I'm surrounded by. But in my perspective and what I'm seeing, I, I think this will become more and more interesting and popular to people as as folks, you know, want to, to feel like they can be more whole at work and kind of self-manage their own careers. So, um, you know, I think it might seem kind of idealistic, but I, I do think this is sort of where the world of work is headed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious if it'll go all the way there, but uh, I guess time will tell. Mm-hmm. Now, let's bring this full circle because you we started out by talking about the HR think tank at, at PERMA and how you guys discussed this. Tell me, what was the overall consensus? Did people think it actually could work? Will not work? What was the overall thought? I mean, my takeaway was that people were definitely interested in this, especially at a personal level, just wanting more of their own kind of self-management. Um, obviously lots of questions still, I think most folks knew that this was becoming more popular, um, and more that there's more of a demand for this from people who are being recruited for organizations. Um, but still a lot of questions about how it would be implemented. You know, how do you do this transition in a a good way? And so, um, I think there were more questions than answers, but I, my sense was that the general consensus was that people were curious about it <laughs> some more yeah, than others <laughs> yeah so uh i wanted to give you the final final word any any final thoughts about this model and and then also tell people where they can learn more about what you're doing and, and how they can reach out to you yeah um final thoughts would just be again to you know encourage folks to start doing more of this at a personal level and to just you know stretch a little more and, and create rules that work for them in their career Um, I'm working primarily with individuals now doing career coaching and then workshops with um, teams in organizations and with just members of the community. So if people are interested in that, they can learn more at my website, which is just www.meganleatherman.com. And it's pretty clear on there how to reach me and all of that. So I would love to hear from folks and, um, and just want to thank you again for having me today. 
Absolutely. You're welcome. And I encourage the the listeners out there to definitely go check out your blog and subscribe. There, There's a lot of good content on there. You know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the HR industry just repost, uh, you know, what Sherm's doing or uh, some of the, the legal firms, just compliance updates. But you really put a lot of thought into to your content. And so I, I really appreciate that. And I like, I really enjoy reading it. So listeners, go subscribe. Um, Megan, are you on Twitter or anything like that? You know, I tried Twitter and I still don't really get it. So <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, she's on LinkedIn. If you if you want to try to connect or reach out that way, and then I'm I am on Twitter, Brandon Laws. If you want to reach out to me, and then if you listen on iTunes. We'd appreciate uh, a review. Uh, love to hear from you about what you think about the podcast and any other or topics that you, you want to hear from. Just let us know. Uh, but we appreciate you de- downloading the episode today, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.